So in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, this takes place right after David kills Goliath, which was a great story. And it's one of the two most famous stories associated with David. And uh, you learn that when you're a kid, if you go to church for any decent amount of time, you probably knew that story already. But when we see uh, in our study of David's life, David part four today, we're going to, we're going to learn about David as, uh, as a young man making wise choices when he got famous. He made some wise choices. And don't ever forget this when we start looking at it because it doesn't come easy for David. But David is a hero. Now think about that. He has just defeated the, the giant Goliath and everybody's happy because they won their battle. And now, remember, there were three awards that were promised that he would uh, be given money. He would be able to be a prince by marrying one of the king's daughters. And he would be able, his family could be tax exempt. So those are three very powerful uh, awards. So now let's see what happens with David as he, what's he do with success? And so we'll study and see what chapter 18 says. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. So let's take those things right there. And then, of course, the next sentence, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. Now that's going to be a theme of this passage. He behaved wisely. Now we're going to Talk about that in a moment. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home, when David was returning home, returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom. So Saul eyed David from that day forward. That means he had a suspicious eye on him from that day forward. May the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. Well, this is uh, one of these things that happens and you'll find it's a universal part of all political power in this fallen world. Did you know, I don't know if you realize this, that people in power are jealous people. Did you know that they're jealous? They can be, in fact, they can be very bitter towards other people. 
in power. And if there's a threat, they're going to make sure that they deal with it. Now, this is not new. This is 3,000 uh, yeah, 3, years ago when it was true. It's still true today. I think that this is why I believe that this lesson in our study of the life of David, as we, we, we understand that eventually David's life's going to lead to the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. But David's life is very important because when we study it, we can learn the pitfalls of great power. We can also learn the proper things to do when things are going right for you. And, and here we learn in just these nine verses so far, many things about human relationships. Now, David earlier had a very good relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan's one of the few people in the Bible about which very little is said wrong about him. There's not many people like that. Jonathan's one of those guys. Jonathan is a solid believer in God. He is a faithful man. And how Saul, who is a villain in so many ways, how does Saul have a son who is the opposite? I don't know. But Jonathan was a godly young man and Jonathan and David were best friends. If you could talk about blood brothers, they would have been blood brothers. That's how powerful their friendship was. And Jonathan was not jealous of David. Now, if Saul died, who would become king? Normally, it would be Jonathan. So you would think Jonathan would be the one suspicious of David, that it would be Jonathan who would think David is the threat to the kingdom. But Jonathan does the opposite. Jonathan befriends David, and it's going to be a proven friendship throughout their lives. So we learn the beautiful story of how David and Jonathan have this great friendship. But then we learn that je jealousy gives its uh, uh, ugly head or rears its ugly head. And we know that this happens when, when, the, when David came back from the battle and everybody heard about what happened. They had a big parade, a celebration. And the women started singing. And when they sang, they, they sang, they added this one little line. Well, they said, David has slain or killed his 10,000s and Saul has killed his thousands. Now, Saul did not, that didn't pass over his head. He resented this greatly. Now, let's think about Saul for a moment. Saul was a man who God had rejected. God originally anointed him to be the king. And it, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. So Benjamin, remember, was one of the two sons of Rachel, who just happened to have been buried in Bethlehem. That's where she died. So Benjamin was close to the people of Israel. It was one of the favorite tribes. And uh, so Saul was the first king of Israel. And when God anointed him originally, originally he did well. Uh, he saved the lives of the people of Jabesh Gilead. And when he saved their lives, because they were threatened by an evil king who was threatening to pluck out their eyes and do very horrible, other horrible things to them, uh, he rescued them. And so that was very good. But Saul did something very bad later because the prophet Samuel told him to wait uh, before they did a sacrifice. 
Also, the prophet Samuel had told them that when you go, you are to slaughter all the enemy, including their animals, and don't leave any alive, but he didn't follow the Lord. And the famous phrase is what uh, Saul came up with an excuse. Well, we're just gonna use the sheep and we're gonna sacrifice to the Lord. And, and the great line that Samuel said back was, obedience is better than sacrifice, saith the Lord. And I think that's so true. You know, you can, you can certainly make amends, but it's better to be right the first time than it is to try to make up and do better. And in this case, God eventually rejects Saul. And then, of course, we learned in our first part of our story, Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. He anoints David, the eighth son, the youngest son, to be the new king. But it's going to take years, folks, before David actually becomes king. But he's already showing signs that he is being a kingly person. And we, we noticed there, and I, I especially love the fact that when David went out on a mission, in verse number five, it says he behaved wisely. You don't just put people over an army or over men with authority over life and death if they don't know what they're doing. Now, David's very young, but one of his resume items was that he spoke well, that he guarded his language, that he was a man who had a good sense of an appreciation and an empathy for other people. That's a very important thing for anybody, but especially a young man. And so we have here the testimony that when he behaved wisely, that Saul, when he put him in a position of authority, that, that he was accepted in the sight of all, not some, all the people. Isn't that a great thing that they all accepted his leadership? And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Hey, normally the greatest jealousy occurs among those who work for the other guy. They're gonna be jealous of the, the up and coming person, but not true here. Here, David has even earned the respect of the people who work for King Saul. Now, David had had some experience working for King Saul as a musician, so he knew some of those people. And before he had killed the giant, they knew him as a faithful member of the court. So he had that experience going for him also. But then you hear the great story about Saul getting jealous over this song that people had. I'm telling you folks, what, what is, what is, why is it so hard for us to rejoice when other people do well? Why, why is it that our first inclination when somebody else does well is, oh, well, we'll say some negative word about that or we'll make some negative comment. It's, it's almost like it's in our old, our old fallen nature to constantly bring people down and to be jealous. And so that's what Saul does. He is a man who is jealous of David from that day forward. And remember, the reason why David had been a part of the court originally was that he played music to relieve the, the mental distress that had been given to Saul because God's spirit had left Saul and God sent an evil spirit to bother him and cause him great mental anxiety. 
And how many people today have great mental anxiety because they've, they don't have God's spirit and they are having to deal with their problems on their own. That's very sad. Well, let's see something else. Not only did we notice that the friendship of Jonathan is important and then the jealousy of Saul is part of human nature. And we noticed that David was a man who made wise choices, but now we're gonna learn about how does David deal with this jealousy? So in verse number 10 of chapter 18, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. This is one of those weird verses that a lot of people have a hard time uh, understanding. It said that the, the, the distressing spirit came upon Saul, moved him, he began to speak. Uh, I don't know what he was saying. I don't know what the prophecy was. But remember this, God can use uh, even a man like Saul to say certain things because God had a purpose in sending this distressing spirit to Saul. And it was only David's playing of music that gave him any relief. So David played the music, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. Obviously, Saul is a, has some mental problems, and he throws this at David. But David escaped his presence twice, so David runs away from this situation. He doesn't fight back. He runs away. That showed some restraint, because I really believe that if David had taken Saul on, probably could have killed him, and it would have been uh, self-defense. But David, we're going to learn, doesn't treat Saul like normal people. He, he understands something about Saul that's important that we need to learn later on here. But David escaped twice. Verse 12, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul is a man who's operating out of fear. And, and I think a lot of people in our world today who have these mental problems and who are mad, and believe me, they hate Christians. They hate the Christian message. They try to denounce it and call us everything under the book. Uh, well, anything you can imagine. I even heard one of the politician commentators this week said that Christians who want to build up America in a Christian way are worse terrorists than Al-Qaeda. That's, that's, this is a mainstream political consultant said that this week. Don't you think that the world today is jealous of the Spirit of God? Don't you think that the world today is trying to get rid of Christians who believe the Bible? Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in dangerous times too. David lived in a dangerous time and the very king was out to get him. And now Christians today, we act like, oh, it's so bad. Well, it's, it's been bad for a long time. We have to understand that when the spirit of God is working through people and when we act wisely, that, that does not automatically mean everybody accepts us or that the powers that be are not going to threaten us. It's very true, the Bible says, all who are godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And David was one of those men. So we now learn here in verse number 12 
Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. So he kicked David kind of out of the court and sent him out to be a leader out in the, the battles. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. Not some of them, all his ways. See, that's the second time in this chapter, I think, where it mentions behaving wisely. Now, I don't know much about Elon Musk, who is a very rich man who owns what used to be called Twitter as a platform. And uh, he's, he's, he's not somebody I agree with about his ideas about artificial intelligence and things like this. So I'm not saying this man, I don't even know if he's a Christian. I pray he will be if he isn't. But he did say something very well. He, he said wisdom, and then he uses the greater symbol, which is a math symbol, than wealth. And that is very true. Wisdom is greater than wealth. And here's a man's a multi-billionaire who said that what the Bible says. Uh, I, I want to say amen to anybody who says the truth. Because I know one thing, Saul didn't believe in it. Saul was a fool here. He was just motivated by his passions. He's motivated by his jealousy. He's so resentful that somebody else has it made and he doesn't, that he can't rejoice that God has anointed this young man, David. But David still behaved wisely. What, a, what an example. And all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. Because what was Saul trying to do? He's trying to provoke David. He's trying to get David to do something wrong so then he could pull the rug out from under him and use his stupidity and his foolishness to, to cause him to fall on his own. You know, this is why for years I have been against the idea of protesting. I think that the idea of protesting only invites problems because guess what, folks? There's a double standard in this country, in this world today. They only accept you as a protester if they accept what you say in your protest because if they don't accept what you say in your protest, they will arrest you and put you away because they do not treat you fairly in this world. They don't. And don't ever get persuaded that, oh, we can go do whatever. We can't make the same mistakes that the world makes because the world protects its own. How many people in the year 2020 were out burning down our cities, but when some of them protest in the Capitol, ushered on by government agents of our country, guess what? Those people are being harassed. Those people are in jail. But when we've had people recently protesting over the war in Israel, I wonder if the same standards are going to be used. There is a double standard in this country. And that double standard is from the devil, from the pits of hell. And we need to stand up and be right. But you know what? Don't get involved in situations that would give your enemies any ammunition. We need to walk peacefully and we need to walk wisely. David was not provoked by Saul. But boy, he had a reason to be provoked, but he was wise. What a godly man this man was. Therefore, 
Saul was afraid of him. You know what's gonna cause your enemies to be afraid of you? When you behave wisely, not when you become a hothead and you have to go and just say a bunch of things that you're gonna end up paying for someday. We should not be the people of violence. We should be the people of peace because God will defend us if we stand for him. Verse 16, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. In other words, he mixed with the people because he was one of the people. Then Saul said to David, here is my older daughter, Merah. I will give her to you as a wife. Now that's part of his contract that he had made. Remember he had made an agreement. I will give her to you as a wife, only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be ashamed, uh, be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So Saul's thinking, okay, I'm gonna put him out here. He's gonna get in these fights and I'll let the Philistines kill him and I won't have to do anything. And he promises to give him his daughter to marry. So David said to Saul, now look at the response in verse 18. Who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? He's genuinely humble. You know, I, I, I'm not really worthy to be a prince. I mean, I'm, I'm the eighth son of a very humble man from, from Judah. Who am I? But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Maholophite, as a wife. So Saul broke his word there. Now Michael, or Michelle, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. So the first girl he offered, uh, daughter, it didn't work out because basically he broke his word. And then the second time, the other another daughter actually was infatuated with David. I don't think describing that kind of love was a godly love, but she was infatuated with David. So Saul sees an opportunity. And that opportunity is, I'm gonna use this to get David. I'm going to find it so the Philistines can use it uh, and to help me. So verse 22, and Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man. Now, David is being very humble here. He says, look, I'm just a poor guy. I don't have riches, and I'm, I, I don't come from a big family that was known, and yet you think it's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's a light thing. And also remember, he's saying this after he had been promised once and been disappointed, and now he's being promised again. He's, he's basically saying a little bit of a gentle rebuke. Hey, don't, don't play with my, with my feelings. Don't put me through the ringer. I'm, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. It's not a simple thing for me to get this elevation in the world. 
And the servants of Saul told him saying, in this manner, David spoke. Then Saul said, thus you shall say to David. And then what he does is he basically requires David. You can read for yourself, but he requires David to go kill a hundred Philistines and bring back physical proof of the killing of these Philistines. And you can read for yourself what that entailed. It's not very PG-13, uh, it's more PG-31. But still, you can figure it out. And, 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 and what, what does David do? Not only does David go and kill the, the 100 Philistines, he kills 200 Philistines and brings back the proof as a dowry to secure the marriage with Michael or Michelle. So, uh, and it says that in verse uh, number 27, at the end, then Saul gave him, Michael or Michel, his daughter as a wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michel or Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. So you, you, you wonder, what is David thinking? Here he has reached the heights of success, but he doesn't feel very confident. He doesn't feel like he's getting much appreciation and he's being put through a, a very difficult time in his life. And it was hard. Um, I heard a story about, uh, you know, I will say that my, his marriage to Saul's daughter here was not the best of marriages. And we'll learn later why that is. But I heard the story of a, of a woman who was over in uh, Israel and her husband was with her on a trip and he died. So uh, the, the, the funeral guy over there said, look, if I send your husband's body back to America and we do all that we got to do, it's going to cost you $40,000. But if you let me bury him here, it'll only cost you $500. So she thought about it. And then she said, of course, they're in Jerusalem. And she says, well, I thought about it. And I think I'm going to send him back to, to home back in America. And the funeral owner says, well, why, why are you going to do this? It's quite more expensive. He said, she said, well, I heard a long time ago there was a man who was buried. In three days, he came back to life. And I don't want to take that chance. <laughs> In truth, God has actually, he's taking care of David even through these hard times. But that's the thing we find out about the great heroes of the Bible is that everything wasn't smooth for them. Even, I mean, you would think, oh, I have defeated the giant Goliath. I've got it made in the shade. I won't have to worry about anything else. That is just not true. He has many worries after this. And if you and I live under the, the imagination that, oh, if I could just have this or I could achieve that or whatever it may be, that that's going to make me happy. Well, not true. We don't really find our happiness in things or positions or even success. I mean, David was successful. He was wise. And yet he keeps having difficulties. So if, if that's how the good people are treated in the Bible, can you imagine how it is that people in this world who don't even have the Lord 
how are they going to make it? They're not happier. And in fact, despite David's difficulties, he still loves God. He's still not acting like a fool. Now he does some foolish things later on, but not in these early days. He does very, very well. And it was David's wisdom that kept him alive, protected him, and gave him a blessing even when Saul was out to get him and plotted against him uh, throughout life. So if we think about our Christmas time of the year, we're thinking about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. There is a good reason why that city is important. And the Lord, who is a direct descendant from this young man, David, the Lord was born in the city of David and he decided to show up there. It's not, uh, I guess that's a great honor that David was, it was his city that our Lord decided to be born in. And it was God's purpose to move all of human history to make these things happen. This year, I cannot say that I'm going to defeat a giant. I cannot say that I'm going to be as wise as David. But I can guarantee you this, if I make a decision for Christ in my life, that I'm gonna behave in a wiser manner than I have in the past. That I'm going to not look at every obstacle as something that's a reflection on my bad character, but rather maybe can be a reflection of doing the right thing. And if I would try to return good for evil instead of evil for good, if I would pray for my enemies instead of cursing my enemies, if I will behave in a way like David acts, and we're going to learn about how he responds, then I think that's a good Christmas message because I think that's a message that we all need because this is a world of hate. This is a world where people hate each other and are willing to lock people up because they disagree with their politics. This is bad, and we're living in dangerous times, and we need to have love even for our enemies, and God proved it in the Bible here but we're going to learn as we study in later parts of the life of David that he still is not finished going through some hard times. And guess what? You are not finished with going through hard times either. But thank the Lord we got him and he will help us act the way we need to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you that how David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name became highly esteemed. And I thank you, Lord, because he acted well when others around him were acting poorly, that he set himself apart. Lord, if our whole country becomes foolish, Lord, let us not behave foolishly, but be wise. And let us esteem wisdom greater than wealth and let us follow you with the truth of Jesus. In his, his name we pray and amen. So, and I did read that last verse in my prayer because the very last verse of chapter 18 said, the princes of the Philistines went out to war. And so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that, that his name became highly esteemed. I think God will bless all people who are willing to follow him and do the right thing. 
And I think that's why this is an excellent thing to think about at Christmas. Let's uh, go ahead and stand to our feet and we're going to sing a hymn.